listening to First Church Charlotte. Greetings everyone, Pastor Nathan here. It's a joy to teach the Word of the Lord to you. I want to refer you to a passage, one of the last things that the Apostle Peter wrote uh, in the, the, the tremendous apostolic work that he gave to us as a spiritual gift and as a theological foundation. And that is shown to us, this passage in uh, 2 Peter chapter number 3, um, and I'm going to read at verse number 14. And I'm going to read it first, and then I'm going to tell you why it just it just kind of blew me away when I read it uh, earlier earlier this week. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him, the Lord, in peace without spot and blameless. And consider that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved, beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught in unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of the scriptures. Now, we are living in a very interesting time historically. Um, it is... It's usually difficult to understand a moment that you are experiencing or living through uh, in the moment in which you actually experience it. Usually we do much better looking back um, at gaining clarity and understanding when we consider the, 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 the weight with which um, something should be held, uh, something should be understood. I feel like the, this year, 2020, has been a, a weighty year uh, there's been so much <clears throat> change. There's been so much challenge. Uh, things we did not see coming have, have come at us. And there's just tremendous, tremendous change. Um, I quoted uh, Sunday, uh, the uh, Karl Marx, and he, of course, got many things wrong, but something he said that I feel like was well said and got he got very right was, uh, there are decades in which nothing happens. And then there are weeks in which decades happen. And I feel like we have, <clears throat> we've experienced that. We have, as a people, as, as citizens of a, of a sovereign nation, we are, we are even now experiencing that. Um, the changes that have, that have happened, uh, this year have been, have been profound. I, I think in some ways there is, we are experiencing and living through uh, a rise of the, the millennials as a political uh, organization. They are taking their seat at the civil table, um, and we are we are seeing that. And along these, you know, generations can move against each other like tectonic plates. Uh, uh, that's where, <laughs> and at that, the point of their touching is where the friction is, where the the quakes happen, where the volcanic action happens. And so I, I think it's possible that we are, we are living uh, in a moment like that. 
And I, like many of you, have found myself reflecting upon it and even praying about it, wanting to understand, wanting to be uh, like the sons of Issachar who they knew, they, they got their generation, they understood what needed to happen in that hour. Um, we have a mission, so effectiveness matters. If we did not have a mission, effectiveness would not matter. If our only, if our only mission was survival, um, uh, it would be, it, it would look very differently. But the church has a divine mission that has been given to it, a purpose for being, um, <clears throat> a, a, a existential foundation, what we should be doing. And because we have a mission, then effectiveness matters. As a, as a believer, you should, you should pray about how you can be effective in uh, reaching your world, in manifesting the love of God to your community. You should worry about that. You should think about it. You should take it to prayer. Um, <clears throat> all of us are different with different abilities and talents and the like, uh, but all of us are not given uh, different missions. We're given different uh, paths to that same mission. Uh, the Bible calls them talents or in another place, gifts. Uh, you are given gifts, not for a different mission, but a different path toward the same mission. That is fundamental. And so we as a church have found it very difficult, like so many churches, to be separated in this manner because we, <clears throat> we, we in many ways, uh, feel as though it is a strike against our mission um, and unless we learn, unless we adapt, it will be, uh, unless we make the changes. And so as a pastor, uh, so many of my friends are also pastors and uh, we, many, many cases have known each other for years. We uh, went to uh, Bible school together. Uh, we were evangelizing at the same time. I preached for them. They preached for me. And out of that life, doing life together comes friendships and so I have been made very rich by the Lord in these friendships. And the common theme of all the pastors that I have talked to for the last three months has been, uh, you know, how do we fulfill the mission with these limitations? How can we uh, have any influence with these limitations? And so the result has been, what, what can you do? Not, not what do you wish you could do? That's not very helpful. Uh, what's helpful is what can you do? And, as a result, technology, what we're doing right now, teaching, teaching by a video stream that has its flaws, it has its problems, it has its shutters and it drops frames and it, you know, you lose your internet connection. All the same, all the same limitations. Well, not the same limitations, but the same point that there are limitations. Um, remember going to church? <laughs> thousands of years ago, we actually went to church together and there's limitations there. You know, the sound system doesn't work. Um, there's a child who's sitting behind you who's having a really bad day and needs and needs to uh, be soothed by the Holy Spirit and they're crying right in your ear. Um, you get to church and realize that your children, um, you know, wore no socks and they were supposed to wear socks. You get this idea. There's always distractions. But what you do is you decide, uh, okay, well, I'm going to push through it. I'm going to ignore the the baby who needs to be soothed by the spirit. I'm I'm going to <clears throat> I'm going to ignore the sound system, uh, and I'm going to try to get something from God. 
Now you've learned that that's kind of core to you because you grew up in a church and you had to do that. Well, now there's a different set of distractions. Now you can, you know, click away because there's an advertisement pop up. There's a, another video that's uh, popping up. You can, your, your, your internet connection is struggling. Uh, the, the, the volume is imperfect. The pastor is not a very good photographer. You get the idea. All of these things are keeping you from spiritual connection that you must have in order to be effective. How? In being saved? No. In your mission. We have a mission. And as a result, effectiveness matters. Now, in all of this change and all of this challenge, um, a lot of our churches have had to learn how to do uh, technology bridge to people. They couldn't have services. And so they, they had to learn how to do this. Now, anybody on our production team can tell you that there's a lot of things to learn. Um, we have a team that focuses on this and they do a fantastic job. And um, uh, Preston at our church, he is, he's the director of that. And he is continually, uh, a lot of, a lot of services, you won't even see him because he's up in his little cave trying to get as good a possible experience as we can for you. Um, we chase problems one at a time and, and you've seen us try to do this. I mean, the latest things we're doing now is we're getting, we just bought a dedicated server just for uploading, uh, to try to help you get a smooth stream. We have to change because we have a mission. Change that is related to the effectiveness of the mission should never be a crisis for the believer. If you come to church and they make a change that is geared toward effectiveness of the mission, you should never let that bother you. Even if you don't yourself particularly like it, as we get older, we have things we prefer and we don't prefer. You may not like it. The answer is not to find a church where they don't do that. The answer is to understand the need for effectiveness in the mission. Now, if you don't perceive the mission, you won't care about effectiveness. Now, our church, we, we don't have much of this problem. <clears throat> I think um, for the most part, just speaking as a pastor, um, we represent a people hungry for effectiveness uh, in the mission. Um, I was speaking to one of my, my, my friends and um, he, had, he had made changes trying to get a better technology solution so they could work with what they had. Um, you can't have service. What do you do? Well, we're going to try to move online and make it as good as possible. Um, so he made changes and, and everybody has to do this. We've done it. And if you've been around our church for a few years, you've watched this continual iterating processes where we try this iteration, try that iteration to make it better. Um, and so he had to do it all at once. Um, so he had to change the lighting, uh, because the lighting that looks good in person does not look good on video. Um, had to change the colors on the background because of the manner in which video technology works. If you have light behind you that is not reflecting on you, it causes problems. You get the idea. Colors, lights, arrangement, uh, camera placement. And so uh, I was talking to them after all of these changes. And of course, I watched their stream and they, they've made tremendous improvements. And, and he, he told me here recently, I, uh, I just know, you know, I asked him how Sunday was, he was like, I just know some people are going to quit because of the changes we made. I, I was shocked. Now, I know this is true because people can't differentiate, a lot of people uh, can't differentiate between the mission and how we're trying to make an effective 
effort toward it. Um, so it's natural for them. And I said, surely they won't leave over that. Surely they know what you're trying to do. <clears throat> and he said, I'm afraid they don't. He said, I'm afraid they just look at that and they think we don't believe the doctrine. Well, <laughs> dearly beloved, <laughs> these things ought not to be. Um, first of all, you should, it should not be that easy to quit a church. Um, if you quit a church that easy, you were looking, let's be honest, you were looking. And I hope you, some of you guys uh, who were going to quit that church are watching this because I want to tell you this. You, you, need, you need to get a stronger attachment to your church than the placement of the lights. You need to get a stronger attachment to your church than the color of the backdrop for the video production. I mean, we have a mission and we're committed to the effective um, reaching of that uh, or execution of that mission. Uh, everything else is just a how. It's not a what. It's just a how. And so, yes, change is hard. I, I'll be the first one. I'm a, I'm, I'm not a big change person. I, I know some of you think I am, but I, I'm really not. I'm, I'm a homebody. I like to do, I like a routine. I like to do pretty much the same things every day. I know some of you don't think that's true, but I promise you that is true. I like to order my, I, I have coffee the same time every day. <laughs> you get the idea. I'm not a person just wanting to try something new. I'm not one of these impulsive people. Um, so I'm sympathetic to the struggle of change. And I think this passage I read to you, is one of the most powerful passages in all the word of the Lord on this issue of change. Because first of all, Peter, if there is an award, a reward uh, or an award that could be given for the person who has the best attitude after being rebuked, it has to go to the apostle Peter. Because of all the apostles, we know more about him being rebuked than anyone else. Now, most of the time it was Jesus rebuking him, doing so well and publicly. But he wasn't the only one. Peter is unique that he was rebuked by another apostle. The apostle Paul rebuked him on the subject of how difficult it was for Peter to actually embrace the Gentile church, not to see the, the word of God opening the door to them. You see, the, the whole revival of Gentiles started <clears throat> uh, through the apostle Peter. It was the apostle Peter who saw the, had the vision of the unclean animals coming down in the sheet and uh, he says, Lord, Lord, you should be ashamed of yourself. That's unclean. How dare you try to do that? And the Lord's like, don't set call uncleansed, unclean what I have cleansed. It started with Peter. But it's one thing to see it and it's something else to, to live with it. Um, Paul normally gets most of the credit for the Gentile revival, but really it could not have started with him. It had to start with Peter. Peter had the keys to the kingdom, so to speak. He was the preacher on the day of Pentecost. So it started with Peter. But when Peter, who spent most of his life around the Jewish church, who most of his ministry was directed to the Jewish church, when he actually visited the Gentile church at Antioch, it was hard for him. He knew on a theological level that the door had to be opened for them. But then actually seeing what it was like, it was so hard uh, for him to make that transition. And so what he did is he tried to have it both ways. Um, he tried to make space for them in the kingdom, uh, but didn't really want to have fellowship with them. Um, this is quite like uh, something that when I was a young preacher, I actually heard a lot as an evangelist. Um, you would go to a church that would be uh, 
all white, and um, they would justify it by saying they'd be in a community. They'd be in a community where it was, you know, a third or fifty percent African American, or a third African American, and 12 percent Hispanic, and the rest white. But there'd be none of these other races in their church. And the thing, if this was ever brought up, and I heard this again and again, I heard it from people that I, to this day, I, I, I think, I honestly believe they're, they, they mean well, but they, it was, it's hard to change. And they, they would say this, we want them to be saved, but they should go to their own church. Well, as a young preacher, I just disagreed. I, I disagreed. And some of you guys have heard me tell some of the stories I had. That happened, my wife and I, in churches where they wanted to open the kingdom to red, yellow, black, and white. But they wanted to have a red church, a yellow church, a black church, and a white church. Um, it's one thing for them to open the door to the kingdom. It's something else for them to open their arms in fellowship. Well, um, I, today, because I am older and I'm more confident and I... I don't need their approval. I am. I would be much quicker to speak in a um, contrary manner, shall we say, to them. And I would. I would say uh, I, I, now because of my place in life. But as a very young preacher, just trying to find my way, I just kind of nodded along, like, well, "Okay, whatever you say." Um, this happened to Peter, and he wanted the Gentiles to be saved. He did. Um, he was the one who opened the door. But when he went to Antioch, he had trouble. And what he did is he, he avoided fellowship with Gentiles. And um, he might even have hesitated to partake in the Lord's Supper in a Gentile home or a Gentile meet group of people. And he tended toward the Jews. Now, man, this is... Paul understood that that this could not last. Paul understood that this would mean the end of the Gentile church. Paul got it. And he publicly rebuked uh, the Apostle Paul. Now, excuse me, the Apostle Peter. And this is amazing because the Apostle Peter, again, shows his beautiful spirit in receiving this kind of a rebuke. It's astonishing. And in the, one of the last things he left us, the last things he wrote, he makes this situation right where he says, <clears throat> Beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by the Lord in peace without spot and blemish, and considering that the long, and consider that the long suffering of the Lord is salvation also. He has something he wants to get off his chest. He has something he wants to make right. Consider uh, also our beloved brother Paul. You see, if you wanted to drive a wedge in the New Testament church and create a, a theological schism, here was the place. There were two great heresies in the early church. And as um, a Bible teacher uh, or a sharer of the Bible, you need, to, you need to know these. The two great heresies in the New Testament church is first Judaism, Jesus Christ, we are, as if to say we are not complete in him. We need all of these adherences to the law of Moses. And the law of Moses plus Jesus makes you complete. Um, and secondly, Gnosticism, which is the belief that Christ was not really f flesh and blood. He was an emanation. Uh, he didn't really suffer. He just appeared to suffer. He didn't really die. He just appeared to die. So basically God tricked us. 
He did not satisfy justice through the cross. He just tricked us. Now, yeah, that's a big deal. Um, both of these are heresies. Both of them will destroy what it means to be built upon Jesus Christ. Um, and so whenever you read language in the, in the epistles where they're talking about people who have doctrines of devils and they've turned, they've turned back um, uh, to the old, old ways, whenever you hear warnings against false doctrines, it is almost always best to see them as fighting against those two things because compared to those two things, the rest of the problems were quite small in terms of reach and theological breadth. And so uh, the Apostle Paul uh, here has rebuked Peter, and Peter is not going to let a theological wedge be driven between him. He is going to show his beautiful spirit in this moment. Our beloved Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles, teaching in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do the rest of the scriptures. Man, this is just, once you understand some of the history, uh, this is just amazing. It just blows my mind. Um, the, 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 the good spirit, the, 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 the teachable spirit that Peter has, and the willingness to admit that for the ages, he could have done it privately with the Paul, just kind of make things right, you know, but not really. But he gave us a gift of the, the greatest of us need to have a teachable spirit. Uh, the most, the mighty of us need to ha be accountable. That is what Paul is, uh, that Peter is showing us here, here today. And Peter says this, look, Paul writes some things that are hard to understand. Change is hard. Peter is writing predominantly to the Jewish church. Um, most of his reach primarily was to the Jewish community of faith. Um, he didn't have near the Gentile reach that Paul or say even someone like Barnabas would have. Um, Peter writes to them and they are all of them to a man or a woman I would, at least by my take, they are inclined to be sympathetic to Judaism. Jesus is not really enough. You need the law of Moses plus Jesus. That gets you over. Jesus isn't enough. His salvation isn't complete. You've also got to follow these rules, these rules, these rules. And then the combination of uh, your salvation and Christ's salvation, then you're enough. They would be inclined to that. That was their comfort zone. That's what made them relax, so to speak. People who sang like them, talked like them, worshiped like them, ate like them, did life like them, that was their comfort zone. And Peter writes to them and says, look, there are some things that are hard to understand and untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction. Two categories, the ignorant, those who don't know better, and the unstable Think about this. In other words, there are people who use theology to reassure themselves because they aren't stable within, and they use their theology to make themselves feel stable. They're unstable, and they need to believe it a certain way so they can feel stable. 
They themselves are unstable. They haven't foundations. But they're made stable by interpreting the scripture in this way. That makes them stable. Two classes of people, people who don't know better, they're ignorant, and people who are unstable. They need to believe it this way, otherwise they have no foundations. Both of these categories twist the scripture to their own destruction. But it's not just the writings of Paul, Peter would say. They do this with the rest of the scriptures also. You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. Change is hard. I, uh, if you go online and you, and you uh, Google uh, examples or illustrations of change, there's a ton of, of great examples you find. I want to read to you a letter <clears throat> that was written to the president on uh, January 31st, um, 1829. Uh, <laughs> it is promoting the canal system of transport and is written against railroads. The canal system of this country is being threatened by the spread of a new form of transportation known as railroads. The federal government must preserve the canals for the following reasons. One, if canal boats are supplanted by railroads, serious unemployment will, will result. Captains, cooks, drivers, hostlers, repairmen, and lock tenders will be left without means of livelihood, not to mention the numerous farmers now employed in growing hay for horses. Two, boat builders will suffer and tow line whip and harness makers will be left destitute. Three, canal boats are absolutely essential to the defense of the United States. In the event of the expected trouble with England, the Erie Canal would be the only means by which we could ever move the supplies so vital to waging modern war. As you, may know, as you may well know, Mr. President, railroad carriages are pulled at the enormous speed of 15 miles per hour by engines, which in addition to scaring the livestock and frightening women and children, endanger the life and limb of passengers and they snort and roar their way through the countryside, setting fire to crops. You get the idea. The Almighty certainly never intended that people should travel at such breakneck, at breakneck speed, signed Martin Van Buren, Governor of New York. Change is hard. Churches are forced into change. Generations arise and institute change. There are changes to the manner in which our government organizes itself. Our cities organize themselves. Changes in which our civil order uh, is, is maintained. There is change. It is a constant. But remember, whenever there's a change that is aimed at making us more effective at the mission, we shouldn't be afraid of that. You may not like it, but you shouldn't be afraid of it. The only time you should worry is when there is a change to the mission the what, not the how. You see, we as a people have been given a great commission by God. You, as a spirit-filled believer, have a great work to do. Don't be turned aside from that work. Like 
the late T.F. Tenney was so, so prone to say, the main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. We love you. Have a great week. Uh, we will see you Sunday. Uh, watch our various uh, media outlets for um, details on service time. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.